Om Gyanatimiran Dhasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guravenamaha Satyaloka planet progressing further to the real Satya of the spiritual world. The topmost planet in this material world is also called Brahmaloka. That which is great, that which is all expansive, that which is spiritual by nature. Becoming that which is of Brahma, the engineer of this universe. And this is describing how the devotional yogi, having reached there, goes further. Yesterday I was describing the description of Satyaloka uh, in relation to the spiritual world. How it, it appears, in many ways it's very similar to the condition of the spiritual world. There's no fear, there's no death. There's no death, there's no rebirth. The pangs of material existence do not exist, but still one has to go further. Why is that? If you're already in such a nice place, then why go further? Because even Brahma Loka is destroyed at the time of the dissolution of the universe. It will not remain. Even though it seems as if life there is permanent, that also will be destroyed. And although it's described in this series of verses and purports that the person who goes to Satyaloka, generally they progress beyond that to the spiritual world because these upper planetary, the topmost planetary systems in the universe are meant for that. They're meant for further progression in, and to attain the topmost spiritual perfection going back home, back to Godhead. In that way, they're differentiated from the heavenly planets. The heavenly planets, they're simply meant for enjoyment. Whereas the topmost planetary systems above the heavenly planetary system, Janaloka, Tapaloka, Maharaloka, Satyaloka, four planetary systems above the Swargaloka, they can also be achieved by good karma, but it's not exactly the karma-kanda process which takes one to these planets. It's, it's usually the, those who are followers of the jnana-kanda who go there. And they're, they're not exactly places of material enjoyment, although there is very good facility for material enjoyment there. But the, the atmosphere of the, the people there is not one of material enjoyment. It's just like sometimes you read descriptions of the ashrams of rishis, and they're very beautiful and full of with ponds, with, with lotuses and nice birds. But even though the atmosphere is very nice, they haven't taken that position for sense enjoyment. So... They're engaged in austerities, actually. Austerities, you may say, well, why are you performing austerities? Go to the higher planets. But then if you go to the higher planets on the strength of, real, uh, of developing knowledge and austerities, then the desire will be there, having taken birth there, to go further in one's Vairagya Vidya and go back home, back to the lotus feet of Krishna. In other words, someone who takes birth there doesn't get stuck there. They go to the... Generally, they make progress and go to the spiritual world. Although it may be a relatively long time now, because everything in this material world is relative, and the lifespan in the Satyaloka is extremely long, by, according to the earthly calculation. So you may get stuck up there for some time. But there's also the danger of... 
becoming materially contaminated and again coming down. Of course, you may say, well, we hear about people falling in the spiritual world, but there's no, it's not so very likely. Therefore, Krishna says, If one goes to my abode, he never comes back. However, as long as we're in the material world, we're in a very dangerous position because we're not properly situated in Krishna's service. Even when we're performing very great austerities, and shunning the opportunities for material enjoyment that are all around. But the possibility of sense gratification is always there. And therefore, not all yogis and rishis, even who become perfected, uh, who attain the siddhi, the perfection of entering into Brahma's planet, not even all of they go back to Godhead. So it's a very risky situation in this material world. Now, if we see what is the situation of these devotional yogis, it means they're cultivating devotion and at the same time following the uh, yoga process of exercises, withdrawal from sense objects, and uh, trying to sit them, trying to become situated in samadhi, and also with some devotion, they're ultimately aiming to go back to Godhead, or rather, Shukadeva Goswami is giving the direction to the yogis that you should. Keep your consciousness fixed on that final goal. Om Tad Vishnu Padamam Padam Sada Pashanti Surya Hojivi Vichakshuratatam Yat Viprasya Ovivanyave Vishnu Yat Padamam Padam The Rig Veda Shlok says that those who are actually suras, those who are actually demigods, they're always looking up to the lotus feet of Lord Vishnu in the spiritual world. There are so many things to see in this material world, but they like to see the feet of Vishnu in this material world, and their ultimate aim is to go to the spiritual world to be with Krishna, which Krishna also wants to take us back. That's why he comes and speaks Bhagavad Gita, and in Bhagavad Gita, he several times says that the goal of life is to come to me, and if you try to come to me, I'll help you. So we have a very great need to enter into that eternal kingdom of God. Bhaktis Sansasar Thakur used to stress this point a lot. He would say, our real need is to enter the kingdom of God. Using these terms, shreyas and prayas, immediate fulfillment of desires and some austerities or suffering undertaken so that in future we may enjoy better. So he would point out that jignasu uh, shreya utama Verse is quoting uh, that one should approach a guru. Tasmad gurum prabhadgeta ignasu shreya utama. That one should approach a person who is spiritually realized and ask for him the questions which relate to one's topmost benefit. As Prabhupada said, when one approaches a sadhu, one shouldn't ask him for something you can get in the market. And why bother a sadhu? Please give me a seeker watch. Don't buy one, sir. Don't bother me. Uh, because that you can get anywhere. Then why bother a highly placed officer? It's inappropriate to do so. One should approach the person at the level on which one wants to be uh, helped. So... Mm. One should approach at the level of on which one needs to be held. So one shouldn't... Uh, I got lost there. One shouldn't approach the 
Aha, yes, one shouldn't approach the sadhus for that which is available in the marketplace. Then. In other words, if you're asking for material benefits, cure my back, have a back pain. The doctor's surgery is just around the corner, you can go there. You can tell me. This is, you come to the wrong place, this is the ashram, and the hospital is over the road, the Nesam hospital, you can go there. So one shouldn't approach for that which is any material that one should aspire for that which is not available anywhere within this material world. One should aspire for... One should, what should be one's aspiration or ambition? One's ambition should be the highest. Jignasu shoya utama. One should inquire about the highest thing. So what is the highest thing? That is something which is not available in all the 14 worlds, even the planet of Brahma. It's not there. That's why they're going, they're going on further, which is the uh, bliss of the spiritual world of serving Krishna. So within this material world, we endeavor to get various things, Narayana says. But anyway, automatically, sukha and dukkha, happiness and distress, they come. So everyone in this material world, as Pallad, you'll find it's very interesting, Pallad Maharaj, if you study his instructions, that many of his instructions are rephrased, things that Narad Muni also says. You'll find that Narad Muni says in the Bhagavatam. Because Narad Muni taught Prahlad Maharaj when he was within the womb of his mother. So you'll find many. So one of the things he says, Prahlad Maharaj says, is that, that uh, the endeavor to overcome one material, one's material distress simply results in more material distress. You don't, you can't stop material distress by any material means. You may shift, Prahlad Maharaj gives the example that you may shift the burden from one, it's like shifting the burden from one shoulder to another, that's all. Instead of being distressed in one way, you're distressed in another way. If you think I'm carrying a heavy weight, so what's the, what's the solution? Okay, put it on the other shoulder. So the, the distress is removed from here and changed to there. That's all. But there's no way to avoid distress in this material world. So one should endeavor for that which is not available anywhere within this material world. What is that? That is pure, unadulterated bliss. One, that should be one's goal of life. As Prabhupada said when he was asked, what is the goal of life? To enjoy. And then Prabhupada explained, Ananda The absolute truth is by nature full of pleasure. And you, as, as part and parcel of the Absolute Truth, you're also full of pleasure. So your aim should be to enjoy, because that's your nature. But you, you can't enjoy in this material world. You, here, it's just described there, in the previous verse, what is that? Namritya, Nashoka, all these descriptions of Brahma Loka. So, there's no old age, there's no death. There. But then, why is it said, Abrahma, Bhuvana, Loka, Puna, Avatina? Everywhere within this material world, wherever you go, you have to come back again. But if you come to me, Krishna says, you don't take birth again. So Brahma Loka here is described the progressive devotional yogi who goes to the Brahma Loka and then prepares himself to go on further up to the spiritual world. But it's not guaranteed. Even if you are to Brahma Loka, you can come back again. 
It's not guaranteed. If one is specifically aiming in that way, he can go back to Godhead. But if not, he goes to the Brahma Loka, then if he's still uh, not convinced about Krishna consciousness, then he can come back again. He means he may be... To go to the Brahma Loka, one has to be at least a Brahmavadi. One who's, that means one who's interested in spiritual advancement. But if one is still not convinced about Krishna consciousness, if, he's not, if his aim of life is not specifically to go back to Godhead, he can come back from there also. Or he may think, well, this is very nice here in this Satya Loka, so the material world is not so bad after all. Maya is there also. It's not that there's no Maya in this, in Satya Loka. Here in the in the word-for-word translation, Prabhupada translates the word translates the word Nirbhaya as without any doubt. Now the normal translation we would think would be without any fear, isn't it? The Prabhupada is translated as this as uh, without any doubt. Because actually the two things are synonymous. If one has doubts about Krishna, then he's fearful. He must be fearful. This material world is the world of fear. One comes, one enters the atmosphere of fear due to enviousness of Krishna. And then one's consciousness becomes turned around, opposite, viparit. In other words, when one has full faith in Krishna, then there's no fear. He knows Krishna will protect me. That is one of the symptoms of the surrendered soul. Six symptoms of a surrendered soul. Rakshishyatiti Vishvaso. He is certain that Krishna will protect me. So he's free, he's free from any doubt and therefore he's free from any fear. But if we're not fully convinced that Krishna will protect me, if we doubt Krishna, then we're fearful. Our fear comes. Therefore, bhajahure mana srinandanandana abhaya charana. How to be free from fear? Then one should take shelter of Krishna. You see, people are very fearful. They have some locks on their doors and big bolts and latches and guns in their homes. Not, not in this country so much. And not in Bihar more. Guns in their homes and uh, people are fearful. They're afraid any time someone may come and steal all my money or attack me. Or even on a less gross level, people are afraid that people or they'll say bad things about me. They're afraid. Or I, they're afraid if I don't if I don't have a big car and a big house and all these and, and people will joke about me. His students in the college, I think, if I don't have this, if I don't have the latest pair of jeans, then the others will laugh at me. So everyone is fearful. But a devotee, he's convinced of Krishna. Therefore, he's not fearful. Therefore, a devotee, he lives according to Krishna's standard and he doesn't care what others think. You see, Prabhupada, from the very beginning, he came to the Western countries and he was dressed in the way that Krishna wanted him to be dressed and taking the kind of food that Krishna liked to eat, he would take us beside him and speaking what Krishna wanted him to speak and everything he did, the way he dressed, everything he did was completely 
opposite to the American way of life. It was completely out of sync with the American way of life. Even in New York, where everything's supposed to go on in New York. And, but even in New York, Prabhupada was something unusual. And people, they, some people, they try to do something in New York. They try to do something different. But it's very difficult to be different because everyone, everyone's trying to show they're different. Although they're all the same. They're all just interested in sense gratification. Just they dress in different ways, that's all. But Prabhupada was actually different. It was completely different. You see, in New York, everyone's trying to be different. They're all... I mean, you have your regular businessmen, but there are many. Especially in that time, the hippie time. They're all trying to be different, but they all ended up doing the same thing, dressing with beads and men with long hair and beards. And they're all trying to be different, but they're all... They're different from what they call the straight people, but they're all the same as each other, so... They weren't different. But Prabhupada was actually different... Different in quality altogether. Everyone is trying to be different, but then the hippies, they ended up just having sex and uh, what's different? They're just the, the straight people are having sex and they're having sex also. So it all ended up in sense gratification. It was just different varieties of sense gratification. That's all. But Prabhupada came with a completely different message, completely different way of life, completely different consciousness. The hippies were talking about expanded consciousness and consciousness-altering substances, in other words, drugs. And uh, so they, they were talking about, but they, their consciousness remained within this material world. They thought we'll take some some drug, LSD, and this will alter our consciousness. But it remained remained in material consciousness. It's just different varieties of material consciousness. That's all. But Prabhupada gave higher consciousness. Completely, not only higher, but actually from a different dimension altogether. That one should act for the pleasure of Krishna. One should understand that he's not the body and you can't enjoy this body and there's no use to take drugs anyway because it only alters your mental state by adjusting the chemicals in your brain. It doesn't alter your consciousness. So this message Prabhupada gave was something completely different and only Prabhupada could give that message because only he was free from doubt. He was fearless. Why was he fearless? Others were telling him, don't go to America, you're old, you're old, you may die there, who will look after you? Better you stay in Vrindavan. But Prabhupada said, Krishna's looking after me. Krishna's not only in Vrindavan, Krishna's everywhere. And he was free from doubt. He could go and tell the Americans, the hippies, to give up illicit sex. Who would tell that to the... I mean, other people were telling that. But uh, who could tell with such authority as Prabhupada to, to follow his instructions? That, that one volume of the Prabhupada Lilamrita is entitled Only He Could Lead Them. Because the hippies, their motto was to not to accept any authority. That was the whole thing. Don't accept any authority. And Prabhupada came in saying, you should accept the Guru as an absolute authority. Not only, not only an authority, but absolute authority. And you just have to do what he says. So, how could, he, how could you go and preach that in the Western countries? Because Prabhupada was free from doubt. Once Prabhupada said that, this was later, after Prabhupada's mission was well-established all over the world. Of course, it's much more expanded now than when Prabhupada 
left this world, for all we complain about the problems in ISKCON and all this kind of thing, people say it's, you know, ISKCON's finished and we've been hearing that for so many years. But actually the movement has spread tremendously since Prabhupada left this world. It's, it's really much, 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 much more expanded in so many ways. Problems have come in expansion, but the point is it has expanded and it is continuing to expand. So Prabhupada is saying that, well, how has this wonderful thing happened to me? That I see I have so many godbrothers, they could have also done it. I mean, so many sannyasis, all their life sannyasis, many of them, they became sannyasis as young men. And they had so much association with Guru Maharaj. Whereas I only had, I only met my Guru Maharaj, Prabhupada said, about a dozen times. It means he must have heard him speaking more than that, but he probably only spoke with him. Maybe about a dozen times. And they're very austere, and I was what they used to call Pachagrihasta, rotten householder. And they're very learned. So many, you see, they've been, they were studying Shastras all day, and I, he was busy in his business. Not that Prabhupada wasn't learned, but it may have been that some of them knew more shlokes and all this kind of thing. Well, that wasn't that Prabhupada didn't know many shlokes also. So Prabhupada said, how is it that this wonderful thing of spreading Krishna consciousness all over the world has happened to me? And Prabhupada said, when I examine, I can find there's actually only one qualification that among all my godbrothers, only I had complete faith in my spiritual master. Otherwise, others, everyone knew that Bhaktisthana Sarasar Thakur wanted Krishna consciousness spread all over the world. He said, he wanted preaching. He said that when well, Guru's got life, he can preach. If you don't have life, you can't preach. So Prabhupada had full faith. Therefore, he was free from doubt. And you see Prabhupada, when, when he was preaching, he was, when he was speaking with anyone, he was free from doubt. And therefore, he could convince others. If you say that, well, in my opinion, it may be that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, then who are you going to convince? If you're not convinced yourself, Prabhupada would just like at that uh, Gita Samelan in Indore, all big, big swamis coming, and Prabhupada furiously chastising them, that why are you cheating people in the name of Bhagavad Gita? Why are you not teaching that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God? They never expected any such thing. You see, here we're here to speak on the Gita, and I'm giving my interpretation. Some people go, what is your interpretation of Bhagavad Gita? You rascal. We don't interpret Bhagavad Gita. Only rascals do that. We simply speak Bhagavad Gita as it is. So Prabhupada was completely convinced and therefore he was free from fear. One who, is, one who has not got faith in Krishna, then they'll always be fearful. And we see, you see that some devotees, uh, you can see actually they don't have faith and they're, they're always making some arrangement and plan and I have to save some money and look after myself. And They don't have faith in Krishna, actually. They're thinking, well, it's okay, Chani Hare Krishna, but who's going to look after me? I have to get some money and stick it in the bank. And then I'll be safe. As if money in the bank can save you. What are you going to do at the time of death with your money in the bank? It's not going to save you. Of course, a householder is supposed to make some arrangement for his family. But uh, he should also. You made arrangement for your family? Had your family? Okay, now you're 50 years old. Leave it all. Go to the forest. 
Venangato Yadharim Ashrayaja. This Prahlad Maharaj told his father, Go to the forest and take shelter of Hari. Family life means taking shelter of Asat Sanya, the fallible soldiers. My wife, my friends, my home, my bank balance. These things can protect me, they can't protect you. So if you reach the age of 50, one day, leave all these things. If you go up, don't think that I am indispensable. If I leave my family, who will look after them? I am indispensable. As Charles de Gaulle said, the graveyard is full of indispensable men. You can follow that? You know what indispensable means? You don't know what it means. Indispensable means that you can't be dispensed of, thrown in the bin. That you're essential. Your presence is essential. So Charles de Gaulle said, the graveyard is full of indispensable men. Life is going on without them. You're thinking, that without me, how can things go on? William Pitt, the elder or the younger one, I think the younger, I learned this at school. One of the prime ministers of England was purported, his famous last words were, my country, how I leave my country. He was thinking, without me, how he's thinking our country is in such a bad mess. It was in such a bad mess even in those days. So he was thinking that, how will it go on without me? And of course it went on without him, and it's still going on. <laughs> It's still a mess, and it's going on. So, uh, like that, people are thinking, well, what about my family? If I leave them, how will they survive? That's one kind of thinking. And the other kind of thinking, well, if I leave, how will I survive? But one is advised to be fearless. That is the, that is the quality of a sannyasi. Abhayam should be fearless. Abhayam sattva sangshudhya. Prabhupada explained that these qualities of the, di the divine qualities, the first set of qualities given by Krishna in Bhagavad Gita. Abhayam sattva sangshudhya jnana yoga vyavastiti he, he, these are the qualities sannyasi should be fearless situated in reality and, uh, and in, in jnana yoga should be cultivating knowledge of the absolute truth. So one should cultivate fearlessness by leaving home and depending on Krishna. One who depends on Krishna, he's fearless. He just depends on Krishna, that's all. One time I was at the Rathiatra festival in London and the parade had just finished and we, we came to the park where they're having a festival program. And some young woman came up and questioned myself and Jayadvaita Maharaj who were there. And uh, she said, well, she asked about what we're doing and said, well, you know, we travel here and then we preach about Krishna. She said, well, how do you survive? She said, well, we depend on Krishna. Well, what about your food and all that kind of thing. So Jadvaita Maharaj just said, well, we just depend on Krishna. She didn't seem very convinced and she went away. And then two minutes later, the devotee came with two big plates of prasad. Here you are, Maharaj. <laughs> it's for you. So we didn't ask for that. They just brought. Krishna arranged. 
So that is the conviction of a devotee. And if Krishna doesn't arrange, then we won't eat. That's all. <laughs> of course, there's a measure of pragmatism has to be employed also. Just like when Prabhupada was in Vrindavan, he was living in Vrindavan alone, he would cook for himself every day. Sannyasi is traditional, he doesn't cook. That's why it said that Nani Ragnyanachakriha, the description of a sannyasi, is not that he's without fire, because the, the general description of a sannyasi is he's without fire. That means that as long as one is a householder, one has to maintain a fire in his home, and you'll find in Brahmana homes, and used to be people would say, oh, this fire has been burning for the last. 700 years in the same, because they didn't change houses every two years or so. They'd stay in the same house. And their, their ancestors would be keeping this, they'd keep the fire alight, and then every, they'd use that for cooking and for the daily sacrifice, they'd offer the home yoga daily in the home. So, but when one takes sannyas, then no more fire. He doesn't offer sacrifices, and he doesn't cook. But Prabhupada was cooking. He was making his cooking and offering to Krishna. No, you don't cook for yourself, but you can cook to offer to Krishna. But then he was engaged in the Sankirtan Yagya, printing books. So for the Sankirtan Yagya, he was cooking for Krishna so that he could go on with the Sankirtan Yagya. I was just reading yesterday, Bhaktis Chansasaratthaka was saying that we should offer in the, usually in the fire you, you offer ghee and grains. But he was saying in this Sankirtan Yagya you have to offer your, your life. This is what you should offer. You offer yourself in the fire. So we used to say in the fire of Sankirtan. You should get in the fire of Sankirtan. Because this is the Yagya. You offer yourself. Offer everything to Krishna. One becomes fearless, he becomes protected by Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question? We'll be talking more about the fire of Sankirtan at 10.30. It's two hours from now, so those who have been distributing books in the last month, you can, if you have your scores, you can tell us. You can tell us the scores.